The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. This is Carol Bossert. Thanks for joining me today. As uh, regular listeners know, over the past few weeks, I have been highlighting various conferences that relate to the museum field and and asking uh, uh, people who attended those conferences to come on the show and share their their ideas. Last week, we had Neil Stimler uh, talking about the museums and the web conference. And um, last week, I was actually attending the American Alliance of Museums Conference in Atlanta, a conference that I have been attending for many, many years, being a museum professional. It is the big party and big place for all museum professionals to come together uh, once a year. Now, we are a relatively small conference compared to some of the conferences uh, that happen around the uh, uh, the country in different trades and different industries, but it is our big time to shine. Uh, so instead of having just one guest today, uh, there are so many th- aspects of of AAM, I thought it would be interesting to bring on a number of guests and share a variety of perspectives. So today I have on Matt Kirkman, Cecilia Garibay, Portia Moore, and Michael uh, Medeja. And uh, at each segment today, I will introduce them a little tiny bit more so that you understand, you, you sort of know who they are. But because we have so much to talk about on the show, I'm going to keep their intro short and I uh, recommend that you look on the guest pages at the Museum Life website and get a much better idea of who these wonderful colleagues and friends um, and museum professionals are. So without further ado, my first guest today is Mac Kirkman. Matt uh, is a colleague and a friend. He is an interpretive planner and an exhibit developer, and his company is called Object Idea. And he works with museums, designers, architects to plan visitor experiences of all kinds. Uh, he works especially with museums in transition. And uh, Matt, welcome to the show today. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, it is my pleasure. Matt, you and I have actually been chattering back and forth a little bit this morning about some of the ideas and thoughts about conferences in general and uh, AAM in particular. But so I'm going to give yeah, you. Yeah, we had the, our own little pre show. We did. We did. <laughs> uh, so, so would you just share for uh, some of your thoughts about AAM and what you learned, maybe what, what most excited you, and uh, what you're taking back to improve your practice? Oh, wow, that, those are some big questions. And, and AAM is the time for me to, I guess, kind of uh, think about those big questions that, that get at how I reconnect with colleagues, how, um, how I develop my own thoughts about the field as a whole, how I approach my work with, my, with uh, the services I provide as a planner, and ultimately, of course, how the work that I do uh, influences the museum customers that uh, that my clients serve. So AAM for me is really a time to reconnect with colleagues. Um, it's always in a very interesting city that's a, that has a lot of um, cultural opportunity. So it's a great time to experience the host museums that generously open their doors to so many people and to see museums with museum people in um, small groups and in huge uh, party groups. You said AAM is the museum party, and it certainly can be when everybody shows up uh, at one uh, museum uh, party. So, you know, to be with my colleagues, to build collective vocabulary, you know, we see things together, we talk about exhibits together, we talk about architecture together um, in those spaces, which is incredibly uh, valuable and, and uh, you know, a precious annual opportunity. Um, it's, it's also, for me, AAM is a time to be mentored and validated by those more experienced peers of mine, um, people that I you know, very much look forward to reconnecting with. They've been a part of my personal history, and it's, it's, a, it's a joy. And you're on that list, Carol, people, ah. like, you, people like you who um, have been doing the work longer than me, and it's a time to be, uh, to be mentored. Uh, and then kind of the flip side of that coin, it's, an, it's also an opportunity to be invited to experiment and look ahead by new and emerging museum talent and find my place in that mix. So I'm always in a kind of a state of honing my philosophies and approach. That's great. Uh, I think that those are good reasons uh, to go to a conference to uh, to take the money and and uh, uh, spend the time and the money. I I think that that's that's interesting talking about uh, the shared vocabulary. Uh, that seems to always be a, a theme that runs through a lot of conversations I have with museum professionals. We can we tend to get a little isolated, don't we? Yep, we we do. Yep. What was perhaps your favorite um, either museum uh, party or museum <laughs> museum that you visited? Well, I visited the um, the Museum of Civil Rights um, that was in the museum campus where the World of Coke and the um, the Georgia Aquarium was, and it was a <clears throat> excuse me, it was a very um, doable sized museum, which I liked that about it very much. It was, um, uh, I thought the scale of the project was very um, welcoming uh, for a subject matter that might not be as welcoming to all people. So, you know, I expected to be challenged and provoked there and the, the, the gestalt of the, of the place really 
invited me in and made me you know engage that subject matter in a very interesting way. I liked the quality of the installations there. Um, of course, I was distracted by um, being you know in a museum community, and there's lots of sidebar conversations about how this graphic was made and how good the lighting is and what's the floor covering and all those kinds of things enter into a conversation when you're visiting exhibits with exhibit people. But I, you know, I, I look forward to going back and, and, um, being more in visitor mode and, and less in professional mode. But, but that really rang out as one of, uh, you know, one of the highlights, um, outside of the, you know, the proper conference, um, experience. One of the things, Matt, uh, that you and I talked about, again, is sort of a little bit of a sidebar, is uh, the your observation that there seems to be a, a tension, now that's my word, not, not yours, about mm-hmm. the use of technology in museums and sort mm-hmm. of the entertainment value, the wanting to layer on information, and an emerging trend of, of looking at things sort of uh, unplugged, so to speak, or the slow movement. Do you want to uh, just unpack that a little bit for me? Sure, sure. Um, Absolutely, and I would take on the word tension. You use the word tension. I would, I would take that on. I think, um, in an attempt to be more diverse and stimulating, our exhibit environments maybe have also taken on a trend of being more distracting for people. And you know, I just would reiterate what you said that people's lives are cluttered and plugged in to a degree that it, that you know we've never seen before. And maybe our field, and I say maybe because I'm still formulating my thoughts about this, but we might be doing a better job by offering less, you know, and, and I can't help but think about, um, Stephen Weil's words about being for people and less about something. So, um, or the words of Tilden that say move closer to provo- to provoke and further away from information. So the, um, the idea of, of doing less better, um, and, um, getting back to um, getting back to what exhibits do well, re-exploring, reopening the package and the conversation about what exhibits do well because they do so many things now. Um, I heard in one of uh, the very first sessions I attended at AAM, I heard uh, someone go out on a limb and say, "Exhibits don't teach very well," and I wrote that down in my notebook <clears throat> as the beginning of a a list of popular and unpopular ideas about exhibits. And I would add that, you know, that technology uh, would fall somewhere on that list of, you know, we know it's, it, we, it, it's here to stay um, and we have to really think about how to, how to get the most out of it and, um, and use it wisely. I think those are, are, are really good observations, and they are things that, that we've talked about on this show a little little bit. Leslie Bedford's book, mm-hmm. The Art of the Museum Exhibit, mm-hmm. I think is getting to that as well. And as we've talked, it's, uh, well, it's certainly something on my mind, uh, yeah. particularly as I look at our business models. And, you know, I think the, the phrase edutainment was something that was really, really hot probably about 10 years ago, but now um, it, it maybe is past its, uh, its, its prime. Um, And new buzzwords have, excuse me, new buzzwords have come in things like um, 
uh, the, the open movement or participatory or personalization. And I think some of those um, <clears throat> work better. Some of those things we can take on. You know, like I have always felt that personalization has been built in. It's always been there. You know, unless your exhibit requires a seatbelt, then we are offering people a very personalized exhibit. It's a free choice. You know, um, you can spend as much time as you like. You can pick up the encounters that you want. So I think we have to look at these words that we use so um, so quickly and think about you know what, what works best for us. Yes, um, and I'm and I'm uh, reminded of uh, Alin's Takamov's uh, <clears throat> discussion about museum next and coining the term physigital. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the combination I know I'm 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 still struggling on that one uh, but it's the combination of the physical and the digital and that really yeah. is where yeah. museums meet uh, so very quickly uh, before we break Matt what is the one thing that you are going to uh, you know you said you wrote down that uh, that one statement what's the one thing that you uh, are going to focus your practice on in this coming year because of AAM? Um, balance. Um, I, I, I want to um, really explore what makes for the best exhibits and, and re, really re-explore what exhibits do well. Um, write some of those things down, put them on the blog, um, support those ideas in the articles that get um, submitted uh, for the Exhibitionist magazine. Um, I think it's time to kind of refocus Great, great. Matt, thank you so much for oh, you're very welcome. for being on the show today. And we are going to take our uh, first break. We're going to have a little extra break today. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking with uh, Cecilia Garibay. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We'll be back in a minute. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Women can live their lives to the fullest and realize their dreams for growth and greatness. Georgine Summers knows. As host of On the Edge, Georgine will give you powerful tools and rules to help you change direction in your life and get rid of the fears that stop you from living your dreams. Stretch your boundaries and become the amazing person you've always wanted to be. On the Edge with Georgine Summers airs live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert. You're listening to Museum Life, and today we are doing a bit of a recap about the recent uh, conference of the American Alliance of Museums. And before I forget, uh, one thing that I neglected to mention earlier, uh, just to provide some context for all of these uh conversations today is that the theme of the museum conference this year was social justice, uh, which of course is very, very timely because of the world and and events that we're living in and living through. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is that on the AAM website, you can download uh, handouts from uh, panelists and conference participants who, who made presentations, as well as purchase audio programs for specific things that you're interested in. And I do think that that is one aspect of the AAM conference that they do very, very well. And it's uh, because, of course, you can't go to everything, and it's wonderful to have these resources. Now, my next guest is Cecilia Garibay. Uh, you know that uh, Cecilia is a, is a colleague and also a friend. Uh, she and has been on the show before. She is the principal of the Garibay Group, which is a multi- multicultural audience research and consultant firm that provides research, evaluation, and strategic consulting services to museums and other cultural organizations. Cecilia, welcome to the show today. Thanks for for being here. I'm delighted to be here. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, Cecilia, one of the things that you and I were talking about, both at the conference and, and uh, you know, chattering back and forth as we were preparing for this session, were a couple of the trends that you notice, both in sort of overall who was there and who wasn't there. Uh, and so I was wondering if you might want to talk a little bit more about this sense of, of an area you're very involved with is in the sense of community. Sure. Well, you know, first of all, this uh, particular conference theme of, of museums and social value was is a piece that uh, is close to my heart, certainly just in terms of the work that um, I'm involved with with museums and community. Um, I think on the plus side, one of the things that I was very excited about is that in a few more sessions, I saw references to this idea of community and thinking about the role of museums and community, uh, not from a, just an external point of view, from this sort of outreach, if you will, perspective, but also from this notion of a reflective practice, meaning that we as museum professionals and also as organizations – 
need to be looking deeply in reflecting on our practice in order for change to be really happening. And a lot of the organizational development literature will tell you exactly that, that without that kind of component, organizational change doesn't really happen. So I was really glad to see that. Uh, on the other hand, I think one of the things that over the years is I've gone to AAM and uh, these themes of community engagement come up and the idea of what's the social value of museums and, and in terms of community. One of the things that I think is consistent is the way that, uh, or glaringly absent maybe is a better way of thinking about it, is how community voices are actually still not at the table. And I was thinking about this and debating with myself, thinking, well, of course, this is a professional conference for museum professionals. Um, and so you, you may certainly not see people outside the field coming. But it's interesting as I thought about that, uh, the way that many of the projects that, that we work on that have funding, we actually put in a professional development component, either often as part of dissemination of project results for attendance to conferences. And so that's consistent, I would say, not just for AAM, but across most uh, museum uh, conferences that I go to, ASTEC, the Association of Science Technology Centers, for example, would be another another one. But we never, um, for these projects, think of budgeting and bringing in our community partners uh, to tell us their side of the story and to hear from them uh, what the experience of this project was like, how they talk about what it meant for their organization and the community and so forth. And I just find that a really interesting um, continuing trend. It's, it's something that I think I've observed over time, but just given the specific theme of this year's conference, it just was highlighted a little bit uh, more for me. And so it's fascinating to have this conversation about community without any other players in the community present. That's very, that's an interesting and I think very astute observation, Cecilia. It goes back to this challenge that I think we are facing in the museum uh, world, and, and you've put your finger on it when you say that it's at an organizational level within the museum, which is to shift our focus from being for institutions or serving institutions, which sounds, you know, there's, there's really no equality in that statement, to something where we're talking about being with institutions. Exactly, exactly. And I think, um, you know, you were speaking earlier with Matt about some of the words that have come and gone. And I couldn't help but thinking about that in terms of some of the ways that we, I think, have terminology that we use that we don't actually unpack very well, right? So, and, and Carol, you and I have talked about this, um, I think the last time I was on your show, was words like diversity and inclusion and community and 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 what, what sometimes... Um, become buzzwords um, or that we use and I think for us um, individually may mean one thing but we don't actually have a collective understanding of what these are and we often use these words very interchangeably. Um, so I think that's part of that um, that dynamic and what's in play and really uh, beginning to think about museums as embedded in community more deeply. Um, I think would help us think about these issues in a, in a more interesting and perhaps um, broader way. 
that uh, I think those are very good suggestions. So I hope some of our colleagues at AAM are listening and with the understanding that uh, we love our museums and we love our organization, we're trying to, uh, to make it better. Let's talk a little bit about another topic that you and I had uh, a really great discussion about at AAM, and that was a session you attended uh, with some uh, CEOs. So it must have been one of the leadership strands. It was. And before I preface this, uh, I want to say there are so many wonderful great things about AAM. And I think that reflective practice piece is one of them. So I was very excited about going into a session around museums and their communities. Um, Relationship and relevance was part of the title of the, um, of the session. Um, and it was with uh, CEO uh, of museums talking about some of their current projects. And I think the way that they were uh, bringing in community or at least think dealing with, with, difficult community issues, which I thought was great. What was fascinating to me, though, is that at one point the moderator asked, um, I think just wanting to get a really broad perspective about how you know you're successful. What well, share some of the ways in which you've, as you're working on these very intense projects with uh, really important t- content um, and partnerships, what, how do you measure success. And that led to what to me was a very disheartening and disappointing um, conversation about evaluation, where essentially uh, one of the panelists said, uh, well, you know, you can't really measure the meaningful outcomes that we have. And uh, essentially, because you can't do that, um, evaluation is really about pleasing or, or being accountable to a funder. And it's just a bunch of statistics and it doesn't really mean much. Um, Ouch. And of course, sitting in, you you know, I had a reaction to that, right? But what was fascinating is that I I had hoped that perhaps um, the rest of the panel might begin to unpack what was, I think, in some cases, very true about that statement at its worst, right? And what, what, on the other end, is not, can, can look very different. But that didn't happen. And so, it left me with, I think, three thoughts. One of them was um, that we as evaluators need to be doing a better job at communicating the value of evaluation and in opening up what that actually looks like um, and, and actually maybe highlighting all of these really innovative methodologies that exist out there that can really show value and can really uh, tap into an understanding of what the visitor experience is like and the value for the community. It also left me with um, two other thoughts. One is I wondered um, what the role of CEOs is and what role they view themselves as having in terms of helping funders broaden their understanding of what is the value that museums bring and what are those valuable outcomes that perhaps look very different than um, a simple set of measures about how many people are in the door, uh, coming in the door um, and so forth. And then it also left me finally with this idea of wondering what role the museum sees themselves playing, museums, and also CEOs, the role of leadership, in uh, bringing in community to determine what those outcomes are and what success looks like 
from a community perspective. So those are my takeaways. Those are great, uh, Cecilia, and I'm so sorry uh, that you had to sit through a, a frustrating session, but, but I, I do feel that frustration sometimes leads to great insights, and you've demonstrated that. It also, uh, I think it goes back to the theme that Matt has started, uh, is this idea of vocabulary. What do we mean? Uh, the the idea of success if you are in an entertainment model, uh, which many museums still are, or sort of a product model, is numbers, numbers through the door. But of course, that really doesn't get to the uh, the questions and and the uh, uh, the issues that you're talking about in terms of community. So it does sound as if there needs to be greater conversation. I do hope so, and I know certainly for me, one thing that. I will work on this year is uh, doing a much better job at communicating what evaluation can do in the in that mix. Wonderful. Cecilia, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and I know that I'm looking forward to having you on the show again to talk more about uh, some of your other research re results with multiculturalism. They're always so very insightful. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being on the show. We Thanks will, so much. Uh, so we're going to take another break. And when we come back, I'm going to be uh, talking with Portia Moore. And so stay tuned. Uh, more insights to come. This is Carol Bossert from Museum Life. We will be back in a moment. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on Earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs. And now, we have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. This problem continues to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, and through our children. Get the answers from The Mickey Ellison Show, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for an Anything Goes hour-long foray into politics, pop culture, and societal tribulations? Then look no further than Between the Synapse with host Mark Tobin. Each show features nationally or internationally prominent guests discussing topics that go beyond the usual daily news, sometimes even way beyond. It's a weekly fast-paced hour that you won't want to miss. Call in to join the party. Between the Synapse airs live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life, and today we're talking about uh, some of the insights and observations that several of our colleagues had uh, going to the AAM conference this uh, past uh, past week. And my next guest is Portia Moore. Uh, she also has been a guest on uh, Museum Life before. Uh, she is uh, the f- a fourth-year doctor candidate enrolled in the School of Library and Information Science and the McKissick Museum Museums Museum Management Program at the University of South Carolina. Uh, she is a great thinker and uh, a communicator about issues of uh, people of color in museums, uh, the value of museums, uh, issues of social justice, and this was Portia's very first AAM. So I am so thrilled that she agreed to be back on the show to share with us some of the the insights of a first-timer. So Portia, welcome. Thank you so much, Carol, for having me on again. Uh, so what what are your what were your first uh, you know your impressions of your very first AAM? Well, I would have to say um, that I had been warned that it was quite a large conference. So when I walked into the Congress Center in Atlanta, I was like, they were not exaggerating. It is a huge conference, um, but it was. It was one of the most remarkable uh, museum conference experiences that I think I've ever um, had. It was it was phenomenal. I think um, the synergy that was exerted to kind of really push for change and to have really hard conversations. Um, I really felt like people were really there to learn, and because I love to like really. Um, mull things over and kind of really get at the heart of things and really ask critical questions, it was like a perfect environment for me. And I think it was also um, the energy that we felt was also, I think, again, because of the the conference theme, the, the idea of so, the social, trying to understand the social value of museums and also trying to inspire change. So it was it was great. Great, great. Um, what was your, say, favorite part of the conference? I know you gave a panel, you sat in on on some of the programs, both uh, at the conference and some of the underground uh, uh, discussions that were taking place in, um, in parallel with the conference. Uh, what, what, uh, what kinds of things did you notice there? Um, I, I really think that um, I was really kind of re-energized by Dr. Cole's um, keynote, which kind of, you know, called everyone to, um, to, to, again, think deeply and critically about inclusive practices and the need to kind of understand intersectionality. And I thought that that theme kind of resonated um, throughout the conference for me, um, all, you know, in, as well as in our own session that I did um, myself and, uh, Rose Peckett Kinsley and Margaret Middleton. We had a session on um, the power of inclusive language um, in museum praxis. Um, I think I was 
really delighted to participate in the museum's response to Ferguson chat at the Glen Hotel, um, which was kind of sponsored by the museum group. But then also um, just the, again, the excitement and the energy and the, um, the willingness to kind of inspire change that I felt um, at the Museum Workers Speak Rogue session, which, you know, looked at issues of um, equity and um, museum hiring and really looking at how museums could possibly provide a kind of better experience for interns and other uh, museum workforce professionals. So that was really great as well. Uh, so... Well, I'm I'm heartened to hear that you were able to make headway, even though, as you said, it it can be sort of a daunting conference. There are so many opportunities, so many people to share uh, discussions with that you want to spend hours, and of course, you you know there there are only so many hours in the day. Um, could you talk to me a little bit more about uh, the the terms you use? This idea of both inclusive practice and intersectionality. It's that latter vocabulary word that I'm not so familiar with. Okay, um, so this idea of, um, so I think Dr. Cole kind of best exemplified this. Um, she gave this anecdote in her keynote. So she talked about when the poet Audre Lorde would introduce herself, she would say, my name is Audre Lorde, and I am black, and I am a woman, and I am a lesbian, and she, you know, I am a mother, and I'm a friend, and she kind of rattled off all these different roles. And then she would laughingly joke and say, but I'm not just a lesbian at 10 a.m. or a teacher from, you know, noon to 5 or whatever it is. And so it's just that I, the intersectionality is just this idea that we are all, you know, carry very complex identities and how... Um, our roles kind of always, you're not just one thing, so how those roles kind of um, are shared throughout your everyday life. And this, again, this, this idea of inclusive language. So um, Cecilia mentioned earlier this idea of um, communities, and I think uh, Mike mentioned this, also this idea of um, museum professionals getting together to understand shared vocabularies. And one of the things that I thought was, really powerful for me as someone who um, studies inclusion in museums is to kind of hear the ways in which people use terms such as diversity, inclusion, and access. And we all kind of, I think we, we are all kind of using these terms, those three terms um, particularly, in very different ways to mean very different things in very different contexts. And so um, even when we think about that word community or communities, depending on the type of museum and the um, kind of goal for um, wanting to engage a specific community, we really do kind of mean different things. And so um, I thought it was interesting that someone um, in our session said that they really wanted to drop the um, word the from the phrase the community um, because the way that people use that term, the community, particularly when they're addressing uh, communities of color, is, is a little problematic because this idea of the community um, suggests that that particular group is a monolithic group, and we know that that's not the case. Um, Margaret also kind of gave a really great example of 
it's really easy sometimes for people to talk about the LGBTQI community when, in fact, it might be better to use the term communities. And so that's kind of what we mean when we talk about inclusive language and um, basically trying to kind of all find a way that we can all kind of get on common ground in the way that we use these terms to talk about museums. Those are very good insights, Portia, and I'm so glad to hear that, that these conversations were happening at AAM and hopefully that they will, will continue. Uh, as you, you have inspired me to think more carefully about my vocabulary. Uh, certainly, I, I have stopped using the word diversity uh, because of, <laughs> of talking with you and doing your uh, reading because I, I think that you make some very, very valid points uh, about that. And it is, it's coming up with a, with a shared understanding that's reflected in this vocabulary. Uh, okay. What was the most surprising thing uh, to, for you at the conference? Um, the most surprising thing, hmm, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I think I didn't go in with any kind of um, expectations. So I think I was all around very pleasantly surprised. I was just really excited to um, be there. Um, and I, I think one of the things that I really loved and appreciated was the marketplace of ideas. I think I could have stayed there all day long and just, sat and talked with and networked and communicated with all of the various groups that were represented during the Marketplace of Ideas. So I think that was one of the kind of highlights for me. I was very pleasantly surprised by um, what I learned and was able to take away from the Marketplace of Ideas. That's very good feedback, uh, Portia, particularly as a, as a first-timer, and I hope that AAM hears that as well. I know that they are in the process of evaluating the conference, and I think they take these remarks very, very seriously. The marketplace of ideas is, a, is, is just uh, an open uh, forum for uh, people to share ideas and experiences and then be there. It reminds me of sort of a, uh, when I was a graduate student, the the uh, the scientific poster sessions that I would do. Yes. Yeah, it was great. So, um, how is are, are I'm hoping you're going to attend conferences in the future uh, as yes. as you're you're able. I think that's wonderful. What uh, what point or I did are you going to now apply to your practice in the coming year? I think um, leaving this year's AAM, it became very clear to me that um, I need to keep asking the critical questions. I need to um, really practice active listening and, above all, to just keep reading. But also, I think, um, again, to um, Cecilia's point, um, this idea of assessment. I think it's, it's really important, um, particularly you know, learning what I learned and was able to kind of hear at the various sessions, it really is important for us to um, to ask to ask our communities what it is that they need from from us. So I think that's one of the things that I will continue to take back as I um, think about the vision that I have for the museum professional that I want to be. 
that's wonderful and 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 so very well put and it but it does remind me i keep thinking of uh an interview that i did with bill booth uh several months ago and he gave a a tremendous presentation at the aztec conference uh mm -hmm. just to be reminded of how great conferences can be and that is using the term instead of working for communities working with communities and it sounds yeah. as if that's the framework that that you are uh, beginning to build as well and I'm I'm sure you're going to include that in your uh, your dissertation work uh, which I of course I can't wait to read <laughs> thank you <laughs> Well, Portia, it was was just a thrill uh, to have you on the show again. I know we will be keeping in touch. Uh, remember, you can also uh, read uh, some of Portia's thoughts on the Inclusium website, which is a uh, and blog, which is a tremendous resource for those of us who are working through our uh, language. So, Portia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you. Uh, we will take our final break, and when we come back, uh, we are going to be talking with Michael Madeja, which uh, is a new friend that I met at the AAM conference, and I am so thrilled that he is going to be on our show as well, providing his insights. So stay tuned. We have a lot more to talk about. This is uh, Carol Bossert for Museum Life. We'll be back in a moment. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. 
welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and as you know, we are uh, sharing ideas and insights about the recent American Alliance of Museums conference and uh, great insights and thoughts from my guests so far. And I have one more very special guest. You know, one of the, the ironic things in our business is you sometimes have to travel uh, thousands of miles to meet someone who is in your own backyard, and that is uh, exactly what happened here. Michael Madeja uh, participated in a conversation uh, that where I was and was kind enough to introduce himself to me. And uh, then we met later on at one of those sort of underground sessions. Uh, Michael is a uh, is currently pursuing his Master's of Arts in Teaching uh, in the Museum Education Program right here in Washington at George Washington University. He began his museum career at the Philadelphia Zoo and then migrated to the Education Department at Ford's Theater. He is also the co-chair for the D.C. Metro Emerging Museum Professionals and he has been doing some work for Museum Hack as a digital media content consultant. Uh, and Michael, thank you so very, very much for agreeing to be on the show today. You, too, are a AAM rookie, correct? Yes, I am, quite literally an AAM rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, why don't you just, uh, uh, follow up on what I asked Portia? So what was it like? I mean, were you prepared? Were you shocked? Were you, what? Um, <laughs> How was it for you? <laughs> I was, I think I was very unprepared for the conference. Um, and I, I knew that going into it. So I really wanted to start something to prepare me for it. And naturally, being a 20-something, I looked to Twitter for um, inspiration and ideas. Uh, so I started the AAM Rookie hashtag, and it took off, and it was a great experience and really led to some great insights and help and networking at the conference. That's fabulous. Uh, we were talking about social networking uh, a, a little bit during the break. Uh, mm -hmm. I am, uh, of course, late to the party on this, but very rapidly <laughs> catching up. Uh, I I enjoy those those conversations uh, that are that are so spontaneous and mm -hmm. uh, re refreshing. What was perhaps the best piece of advice you got uh, for being a rookie? Um. Hmm. I think it was to look outside of the session. Somebody said that at these conferences, a lot of things happen spontaneously, happen outside of sessions, and we'll, you'll find out about them on social media. And I think that really made my conference more meaningful with searching for these opportunities and really be, being open and flexible to whatever came my way. Interesting. So uh, how so social media and... and uh, uh, Twitter in particular was allowed you to sort of meet up with people who had like-minded uh, ideas or, or just wanted to talk about things? Um, both, definitely. Um, I've been part participating in the Museum's Response Ferguson chat uh, for a while on Twitter, and I tuned into the Museum Workers Speak on Twitter um, a while before it really came to fruition. And through those things, I actually... Um, went to the session where we met, and then I also went to the other session where we met, met again. So, And both of those were outside of the conference space, which I thought was really fascinating that a lot of these opportunities, especially for emerging museum professionals, can happen outside of the sessions or the conference space itself. 
I think, and that is very important to know uh, and to observe. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit uh, it, because it's actually something that has concerned me. Uh, I have, um, I mean, it's no secret. Everybody sees my my uh, my shining face on on the show and knows that I'm not 20 something anymore and have, have been involved in this. And I I've always been concerned that it is difficult for people of my generation uh, and as a senior professional to meet people of your generation and uh, uh, sort of the, the, uh, the emerging uh, mm-hmm. part of the spectrum. Uh, did you find that? Did, have you found it, it, was it difficult to meet people uh, you know, who were at different um, parts of their career? I think it, I think it is, especially considering, um, though however helpful they are, those little first-time attendee and those... Um, kind of markers that emerging professionals put on themselves really causes us to look inward and talk to each other more so than um, senior professionals. So it's kind of, it is kind of difficult. And then we have these spaces like Marketplaces of Ideas and the Emerging Innovators Forum, but they're pushed all the way to the back of the expo space. So then it's even harder to be accessible to senior professionals. So I think that's a, it's a great point. It's something I've been struggling with, and I keep trying to go to these informal meetups or conversations to put myself out there and to get into contact with these professionals. But it takes a lot of active effort, I think. Yes. Um, at, well, and I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I think it takes active effort on our part as, as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you've been going to a conference uh, for a very long time, you really uh, have to, to put yourself out there and not mm-hmm. just, uh, it, you know, it's so wonderful to see friends and every year I have more friends, but I need to make new friends. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, Michael, what... Um, what was the most um, surprising or enjoyable thing that you learned at the, the conference this year? Oh, my goodness. Um, that could be a very long list, I think. <laughs> um, well, you have two minutes. I think the most valuable and kind of shocking thing that I learned was, and it relates to what everybody else has been saying about our vocabulary and changing that and really honing that to make it better. So that really focuses on how... I learned the distinction between community and communities. And I think making that plural is just beyond important. That's going to be really meaningful for me in my practice. I think that that is a, a very uh, astute observation that, that Portia made and one that, that should change uh, all of us. Uh, any other thoughts that you were you sort of took back? Um, you know, you are still in graduate school. Uh <laughs> Anything that scared you away from staying in graduate school? <laughs> um, I, I, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to take away is that action is required and it has to be meaningful and intentional action. So it's nice to be in grad school and have this kind of nice and fertile space for ideas and meaningful generation, but it has to lead to something and just like museum workers speak in museums, response Ferguson call for, there has to be some sort of meaningful action. And I think as an emerging professional, I'm in a good spot to do that. I feel very encouraged, uh, Michael, 
to hear you say that. And uh, to be honest, I felt very encouraged uh, at this conference, more so than any others that I have attended, uh, that there were so many uh, uh, 20-somethings and emerging professionals, although I think uh, uh, for the sake of vocabulary, we're going to change that name as well. Uh, uh, And perhaps not brand you, um, you know, with little (laughs) red tags as much as as we need to. Uh, so and and perhaps if we do keep uh, those little red tags, it it, it behooves <laughs> those of us who have been in the field to find one of you and meet you and uh, take you out to lunch. Uh, because <laughs> as a as a starving graduate student, I know I always liked a free lunch. Uh, Michael, it has it was it was a thrill uh, to have you on the show, and I just want to tell my um, all my listeners, muse- um, Michael and uh, Portia and others have mentioned the museum workers speak uh, session. I'm sure you're very curious about that and don't worry we will have a Museum Life program just dedicated to that program uh, and that group and some of the things that they are talking about. Uh, For all of you, Michael, Portia, Matt, Cecilia, thank you so much for taking your time today uh, and sharing such astute and thoughtful comments about the AAM conference. We will be back next week with another very interesting program uh, on museum life. Remember, you can always drop me a line. I am thrilled when I hear from uh, former guests and listeners about the kinds of things that we should be talking about on the program. This is a show uh, for the museum communities. So with that, uh, uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. <music>